Kilo Chasers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Dahl. And I'm Matt Ware, co-host. And we're here to talk about weightlifting, life, and just have a good time and get through the day. And hopefully we help you get through yours. So listen up. Actually, in a Bang Energy drink. <laughs> I don't do know we, if I really want to know. Do you want to know? No, I just actually noticed it was made by Redline, and I remember when Redline came out, and they were like, "Yeah, what? yeah." Have they, you seen the intense. the concentrated Bangs? Yeah, those things are unreal. Uh huh. I uh, yeah, I stay away from that. Those ones, at least, I'll still. I I kind of like. I haven't had a Bang in a while. Really? Yeah, I've been the C fours and and rock stars and and uh what was the other one ghost ghost yeah, yeah. ghost has a uh a fl- uh, flavor that i just found uh swedish fish that is dude that's my favorite i saw it and i was like i bought four of them and the guy looks at me like why are you buying four of these and i was like so i can have them <laughs> like why not yeah uh i'm going to go in the car and drink them <laughs> yeah. right now all of them and there's nothing you can do about it right exactly no i that's like that's my go-to for pre-workouts too. Is yeah. If I see Swedish fish or uh, Sour Patch Kids or something yeah. along those, like that's that's where I go. I like the Warhead one. Oh, that's that's uh, it's like got that sour, so it kind of wakes you up. Oh yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah. So how's it going, man? How you feeling? How's oh. the legs? How's the back? <laughs> how's the how's the old man strength? Old man strength is uh, coming along. It's a little struggled bus right now. You yeah. know, I yeah. mean, I think that uh, there's been, it's been the past couple of weeks have been kind of tough uh, life. Yeah. Yeah. All around life, work, uh, home life has been actually home life's been pretty moderate. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> if, if that was blowing up, then it might be a different story. <laughs> not yeah. no. um, but, you know, and so I think that stuff takes a big toll on your training. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we've talked about it in the la- over the last couple of weeks of how we in like, well, like February, something like that, we got, or January, we got into a super really good groove yep. and training four or five days a week consistently, yeah. Yeah. whether we were training together or separate or Damon was coming over, it didn't matter. Like we were just consistent and our numbers reflected that. And, they did. And, and, and the way we felt post lifting reflected that because right now getting back into things, it's like, that's the last thing I want to do every day is start lifting again. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. I, I'm in that I'm in that phase of just every day is a battle, every day is a grind, mm-hmm. you know, and just trying to I've been trying to just put the barbell on my back yeah. at least once a day. It doesn't like I'm not thinking about okay, I I need to hit 140 for a set of 5 or or anything right, like that, right. like or or work up to a heavy single or even 80%. Like I'm just trying to put something so on my back, so my knees get accustomed to the work again, and my yeah. hips. And it seems like 
it used to be my shoulders were the weak link. Right. Like, like if I took a week off or two weeks off, like my shoulders would get tight and like I'd have that, that weird, like first, second rib thing going on behind my clavicle and like just couldn't get extended. And now my shoulders are fine. It's my, my hip for whatever reason. It's sciatica or whatever stupid fucking 40 year old (laughs) bullshit. Yeah, no, it, well, you know, it's like um, when anybody gets injured, my, my main thing to them is like, just keep moving. I don't care if you're moving an empty bar, just keep moving because yeah. uh, that's what's going to keep everything all, you know, greased up. And, and, you know, at least you're moving your joints and you're getting blood moving and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, you're what you're talking about is exactly the same thing, right? Yeah. You know, you're just you're putting weight on the bar and you're just getting down there and doing it no matter what your mind is telling you, what, no matter what your body is telling you, like, yeah. just keep moving. Right. Yeah. No, it's, that's... it's tough. That's the hard part. Yeah. I mean, Sarah and I talk about it all the time cause she's just trying to get back into the gym and after taking basically all of COVID off. Right. And, um, dealing with some injuries of her own, uh, she almost blew her knee out like right at the beginning of COVID and never had any physical therapy or anything around it. So like she's, and then COVID happened, so gym shut down. Like, she couldn't run. She couldn't do any, like, doing PT around the house is freaking difficult when you got a seven-year-old running around and, and yeah. trying to, like, yeah. maintain the house and the dogs and, and put up with my stupid ass. Like, <laughs> you know? It, I do. Uh, so she's trying to get back into it, and I just keep telling her, like, I know it hurts. I mm-hmm. know it's a pain in the ass, but just lightweight and move it. Yeah. Get your tent, like your, her tendons are just weak. Like that's, uh, that's, that's the whole thing. Like that's all I can think of because she's had the MRI. She's had the x-rays. She's had every doctor look at her knee and nothing like there's like, it's, it's, you have some degeneration, but it's not like excessive. Yeah. It's not nothing that's going to be causing the swelling that's happening or the incessant pain. And so I just keep telling her like, just, Freaking do air squats, yeah. kettlebell squats, anything, you know, and, and do the stupid good girl, bad girl things. And, and like, just do, use the do, machines, do whatever, right? Do whatever. Get and that blood moving. really concentrate on yeah. keeping your knees engaged. Yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, that's part of the, something that I, I battled with, with my squats was engaging my hamstrings and my glutes right you know and, the, and we talked about this earlier this week um and last week was our our squat or my my idea of squatting and how how i squat my form is not relative to weightlifting right right and in that like i never learned i didn't have anybody tell me you know really really engage your glutes at the towards the top of your when you're standing up right yeah and really push through with your hamstrings and your glutes and get your hips through and so i never have worked that so that's one of one of the many weak sides of my squat is i have to strengthen that aspect of of my mechanics um the other part is i have to completely change the way i squat well not completely but I started looking at my old videos and I started looking at the angles of 
the angle, the, the, my back to shin angles mm -hmm. and how they move in my squat, in my back squat and my front squat in relation to my snatch and my clean. Right. Right. And it kind of clicked to me, like, why are we back squatting with a different form than our snatch? Right. And why are we front squatting? Or what, I should say, why are we cleaning with a different form than our front squat? Yeah. There's not much you can do about a front squat. Like you're, you are, unless yeah. you're terribly weak and you cave, Yeah. like your front squat, your clean should look identical to your front squat. Yeah. And I think you're, you're hitting on a really specific point here of like, why do we squat? Right. Mm -hmm. We are squatting to increase our clean and jerk and our snatch. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So let's take front squat and let's apply it to our clean and jerk. Yeah. Okay. Let's take snatch and apply it to the snatch. And there's something you said in the gym the other day that just, and for some reason you do this to me a lot. <laughs> You'll say something and it just clicks. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh my, what? How that was so simple. <laughs> but you were like the bottom of your back squat should be the same position from neck down as your snatch. Mm -hmm. Your back should be in the same same position. Your butt should be in the same position. Your knee should be in the same position. So I started doing that. Mm -hmm. What's happening? Like I'm noticing that. Like I'm I'm feeling it in my catch now. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling the the ability to stay tighter in the catch. Mm -hmm. And that's because when I'm doing my back squat, I'm really focusing on having those angles in my back and in my knees. Yep, it's crazy. So understanding like why we are doing things mm -hmm. at the basic level is really you know uh, uh, the hardest part about it yeah you can go out there and squat well it's, it's, we're not squatting right like what is it doing well i mean we're, okay so that's the difference right <clears throat> and this is the this is going to be an argument that's from a misunderstood standpoint is we are not squatting to squat right. we're not squatting to have a big squat right we're not power lifters correct we're not power builders, whatever. Um, <laughs> we are squatting with a very specific purpose. And that's why when you look at strength and conditioning, they squat in a completely different way as well. Yeah. Right? They, they have a very set, set point of parameters of what they do and the types of squats they do. They do, you know, with bot squats and quarter squats and half squats. And like that, there's a reason why they do that. Like as much as I, you want to look at those videos and say, what the, what the hell is freaking John Jones doing half squats for yeah. with 405? Like, why, why isn't he just squatting, squat right. to death? Right. Well, that's because we're weightlifters, and that's the way we think is what's the point of doing a squat if you're not going to fucking squat? Right. But for him, that sticking point is an explosive point. Correct. For his sport. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so like you said, when we when we're back squatting, like, like I was trying to cue you yesterday and your catch, I you know I have to focus on it too, is get tight. As soon as you peak and yes. as you're going down, you need to be as tight in that catch as yep. if you, as if you have 150 or more kilos on your back. Yeah. Right. And it's really hard to do and you have to do it in a split second. And that's something that, you know, isn't necessarily taught. Like no. John's never said anything to that, to me about no. that. And I've never heard any any other coach ever say anything i mean they say get tight 
but they don't say or or like cue you in a certain way to th- think okay your back needs to be tight at this point when yeah. after you've just ex- exploded yeah. with all this energy at the at your at your second extension right and your finish now you have to release that and then get tight again yeah i think that uh you're right about the fact that nobody talks about that because when you talk about squats you're talking about legging up right mm-hmm. get your legs strong get your legs strong but squats is so much more um i had a coach tell me oh it was probably 10 years ago now that uh your, your back squat is for your back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going you're gonna to strengthen other muscles from doing it, but your back squat is called a back squat for a reason, you know? Yeah. It's not just because it's on your back. But there's a, there's a couple things you can do, like with your hands, where you bring them as close to your shoulders as possible to engage your back mm-hmm. as you're going down so your back is engaged and tight the whole way. Yeah. It makes it harder, but there, that's, that's that's usually a good thing. Yeah. Um, I, it's interesting because I was just listening to a podcast today and then, um, <clears throat> I listened to an NFL player tell him, or like say live on air, like, you know what, why am I out there doing deadlifts? Why would I care about doing bench press? Why would I care about doing hang cleans? That, sh- that shit ain't going to make me stronger. I need to be out there running. I need to keep, keep my cardio up. And they were talking about like off season stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because at first I was like, are you kidding me? Like that's going to make you stronger. But then I got into it and I, and I started understanding that he's talking about a, his weakness Mm -hmm. because he's a, he was a tight end and, uh, he's like, I need to be faster and better cardio and have, I need to be able to run. Yeah. You know? So he's really focusing on what is good for him. Yeah. You know, alignment. Yeah. You want them benching and squatting all day. Yeah. Power, power cleans, hang cleans, yeah. get that that explosion. Exactly. Right? I mean, a tight end, don't give me, uh, okay, a tight end's different. Right? It's, it's they a need, hybrid. They, yeah, yeah, it's a hybrid. They need to be explosive, but like you said, they, they focus, they probably focus the first, what, five to ten years of their career on being explosive. Okay, well, they're now, linemen first, right? In most ex- offenses. Exactly. Yeah. And then if you get into a def- defensive end, then that's completely, that's a whole another ball. Game. Yeah. But, but, but it was just really interesting because my mind went to the defense of like, what are you talking about? Why, why wouldn't you want to get stronger? Why wouldn't you want to get stronger? But then I was like, wait, you're in the NFL, A. B, um, you're working on your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. It's the off season. Yep. Duh. Duh. Yeah. Um, now what you said about uh, back squats being back squats or getting your legs up. Um, over the last, I don't know, five years, probably since I started paying attention, yeah. um, there's been this, it's off and on really a discussion about your trunk mm. and being able to, it's kind of gotten pushed to the wayside in the last year or so. I haven't seen it as much, but there was a big push for a while where guys were really talking about like, you should be able to squat to like 95% without a belt. Yeah. Like if you're like if if you're putting on a belt at fifty percent, there's something wrong. Right. Like you really need to work on your core and being able to get your thoracic spine correct supported internally. Yep. And if you can't do that by breathing and learning how to breathe into your stomach or into your into your body, mm-hmm. like you're missing the point. And part yeah. of getting your hands in close and engaging your back is also building that trunk, building yeah. that like who, who was it? Somebody made a reference. It was like, take a soda can and crunch it a little bit and stand on it. What happens? It collapses. It's going to collapse. Yeah. Okay. Take one perfectly 
un, undamaged and stand on it. It's not going to collapse. It's not going to no. collapse, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Especially especially if it's full. Right. Right. If that thing's full, you can stack. That's a great analogy, you know, by the way. Hundreds That's of pounds awesome. on this little tiny, like, yeah. freaking thin-ass aluminum can. Yeah, totally. Right? Because one, it's just by structure, like, you know, it's structurally built to handle a vertical load. But then if you put pressure on it, there ain't nothing that's going to crush that. Right. right. So, um, you just have to learn how to do that with your body. Yeah. And that's what your ab- that's what your abs are for. That's what your obliques are for. Yep. That's everything. everything. And if you can learn how to get your scapula and your shoulder blades to come down and tighten yes. and your lats to come down and tighten around that. Yep. And then you concentrate on getting your core tight and flat and press everything in, then it's, it's game over, you know, but then, sorry, no, go ahead. but then yeah. you got to learn how to do that in a split yeah. second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to take it and put it in the snatch when you're moving quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the best cues I've ever had, um, in the back squat is I had a coach tell me, uh, same coach that told me to get my thumbs in, but he, he also said, I want you to break that bar. So as mm-hmm. you're going down, pull that bar down mm-hmm. and I'm looking at him like, wait a minute. You want me to put more pressure on me to go down? But what it did is it engaged everything. Mm-hmm. Just everything you just said. It engaged my lats, my abs, my lower back. Everything was like fully stocked, stacked, and engaged. Yeah. And um, I just saw my back squat go up from there. Yeah. It was crazy. So I do the same thing with a cue that came from Mark Bell for a bench press was – you get di- dialed in yeah. nice and loose yeah. and get your elbows, you know, don't bring them in right away when you're setting up, get nice get your hands, get your hands lined up on the rings like you want, get all good. And then instead of just bringing your elbows in, you put as much force like you're going to bend that bar when you're bringing your elbows in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And try to bend that bar. And what that does is it pulls your back tight and yeah. everything together <laughs> and trying to get guys early in the sport. Right. Same thing with deadlift cleans snatches they have to understand understand that your arms aren't cables right that's that's such an Mm. old like Mm. old adage like i understand like over bending the arms yeah is is not good right but if you're not engaging your arms then your entire body's slack yeah right yeah so what i told damon what i've told other lifters um my, my buddy Jake, my nephew, um, a couple other guys that have come over to the house is same thing. You grab that bar, you get knuckles down and you, and you, and you just bend that bar, mm-hmm. right? You bend that bar before it even comes off the ground. You're not, don't dig it into your shins necessarily, but you need to be fully engaged on that bar, get your hips set. And when you do that, when you pull the slack out of the bar, just like, just like you watch the guys deadlift in a thousand pounds, right? 800 pounds. Yep. Yep. Right, they pull the slack out of that bar and then they pull on it. Well, it's just like what we worked on with your clean a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yep. You know, I was like, get your butt lower so you bring that bar back farther, right? Mm-hmm. More tension is going to yep. help you move quicker off the floor. Well, not only that, <clears throat> excuse me, I was pulling my clean from a position that was not the bottom of my front squat, correct? Exactly, right? So all my angles were off, so yep. I wasn't getting that same power, and that for whatever reason. I wasn't utilizing the same strength that I have in my snatch pull yeah. because when I pull from the ground with my snatch, I get my, my butts down and I, and I push really hard with my legs. 
but for whatever reason in my clean, my butt's higher, what well, used to be. Yeah. And I was I was pulling more with my back instead of using utilizing my legs. Right. And you so, know, I, there's one thing that that I think that goes untalked about a lot. Maybe not a lot, but it does go untalked about is the idea of Okay, so you and I are weightlifters. We do it, you know, we, are, we live in the life. We do it multiple times a week. Um, we lift to a heavy. Mm-hmm. Every time we lift, it, it's going to something heavy. Um, so when we get out there, you know, we're thinking, if we don't hit a certain percentage or if we're not going to a certain area, we failed. Okay? So that's kind of our ego stepping yeah, in, yeah, right? Yep. But I think there's a huge advantage when you get into these ruts and when you start failing a lot is to back the weight off Mm -hmm. work on your technique work on your form work on engagement work on everything because as you've heard us say in this podcast everything is connected right everything we're doing is connected and you just your just description just there just said that but back the weight off yep up the volume a little bit there was one day, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> not, I'm not going all the way to CrossFit by any means. But what? Remember hey, the day triples that, yesterday? Freaking killed triples me. Triples sucked. I, I didn't want it. John, I need you to be faster on that third hole, <laughs> dude. On the third one? I'm like, oh, oh, kill me, killing me. Cool. So, <laughs> sorry. No, but there was that day where like uh, we were getting ready to train, and you know, I think Sarah called you and like, hey, I'm going to be home early, and you looked at me, and we're like, okay, we got to get this done in 45 minutes. Yep. I think personally, to date, that was one of our best training sessions because we were focused, we were routined, and you know what? We didn't give a shit about how heavy we went, but we in, inadvertently went heavy. No, we went until we it, until it felt like we needed to right. move on, and right. we did. And what it turned out to be was, and this is, and I, I, I will talk about this till the end of time. Training. I'm just gonna. It's not even. It's not even just John North training. It's like he likes to call it boom day training. Like you get in, you don't fucking talk about nothing. The music may be on. It might not be on. You might've had a shitty day. Your kids might be pissing you off. It doesn't matter. You get in, you focus and you just, and it's hard to do on your own. It's really the, the best to do is with one person. But if you have three people, then you get a little bit more rest. So yeah, it's, it's a know, little bit yeah, better. It's a good cycle, yeah. But if you're training with somebody that's within 5% of your maxes, yeah, and you both have the same like same drive and the same focus in that moment, you can just shut everything else down. Nothing else matters. And you snatch, they snatch. Put weight on. You snatch, they snatch. Put weight on. And it's it's... You're doing EMOMs without doing EMOMs. Yeah. And Most I'm sorry, but I've had almost every single one of my PRs in that scenario. Yeah. I don't have it when I'm taking a three-minute <clears throat> rest. I'm just, oh, okay. All right. I'm ready for this one. Yeah. No. I'm, no. I, might, I might take a two-minute rest. I might take, you know, an extra 30, 40 seconds after my partner does, does their rep. Right. But I'm not taking anything more than that. No. And... And like you said, you have that is the best training, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally. You can't get that kind of focus, and like training that focus right. is huge. Yeah. Now on the flip side, 
I think that there needs to be more of that on the front end, like say below 75%. Yeah. And then, like and then because you had this, it happened to you. <laughs> and then you take a five minute break. <laughs> and then you take a six minute break. Yeah. No. And then you take a, then, yeah. and then you take a 45 second break. Yeah. Because that's what's going to happen in a competition. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, you know, and, you and make mixing, a good point. Mixing that up, eighty percent and above, mm-hmm. and go to, go to like ninety eight percent. Yeah, and 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 who knows? You know, mess around with it at between seventy and eighty percent, eighty five percent, just so you're you you're in your mind, and it's a little bit easier to like for you to take that time and, and approach ninety kilos after taking sitting down for five minutes and right. like try and and in your garage is almost the best place to do that because it's the most distracting. Yeah. Right? Doing it in a gym is kinda easy. You put your headphones on. Nobody's gonna come over and talk to you for the most part. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um the, you know what what I do a lot of times is um I will this is it's gonna sound weird, but I will actually make my kids dinner in between my sets. And I did this a lot before nationals because I was anticipating the, um, the weird breaks. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, my son, he likes, you know, waffles and, you know, an egg and some carrots. Right. So I'm going in there. I'm t- oh, yeah. I, what? yeah. Don't, don't even get me started. He's a <laughs> seven year old. I'm just, I'm happy he's eating. <laughs> so, he loves carrots. It's really weird. Um, yeah. So anyways, you know, I go in, I toast his waffles, go out, hit a rep, go in, cook his egg, go out, hit a rep. And each time it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I'm also take like taking in consideration my jumps, right? Yeah. Um, I'm jumping small on weight and then I do a big 10 kilo jump. Yeah. Cause you just don't know. Yeah. Training variation like that is, is, is huge. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to steal this from CrossFit, but it's something that is, is big. And I've seen a lot of good things from it. It's just, you know, training your body to be re- ready for whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can say what you want about that saying, but it's true. No, yeah. it helps. You, you have to, you have to train for the inevitable, but also the unknown. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss with it because, work and life and family is first and foremost right yeah and we have to deal with that like you're talking about but being able to take a week off and come back and have that mentality to just push through and figure out a way to get it in it's tough and whether and whether it's doing something new and something weird. So you're like, okay, well, I guess I have to like, I got to make kids dinner. So might as well have fun with it and try something new and and put myself in an uncomfortable position that may or may not happen, but who knows, Mm -hmm. you know, and then taking a 10 kilo jump. I'm sorry, but that's how it should be. Right. Like, like like we take 10 kilo jumps all the way up until what? 90%. Yeah. And then we go five kilo jumps Mm -hmm. and then unless like, we're like intentionally going for a PR and then we'll break it up into three kilo jumps. Yeah. When, and I when think we're that, when we're that close, like, when, when I'm throwing in a small jump, mm-hmm. it's, it, it generally means I just need another rep at that weight. Yeah. But I don't want to go with that weight again. I just want to add a little bit more so I can refine it and get my technique in the groove mm-hmm. before I move on. Yep. That, that's, that's what I, that's the way I look at a little jump. Yeah. Like, I just need another rep at that weight. Just throw the yeah. chips on every yeah. kilo counts. Yeah, it's, it's, totally. It's, a rep's a rep, but, but yeah. Um, no, it's interesting that you say that 
working up and, and finding these inter- these different ways to engage your mind and, and engage the, the, the unknown of training and competing. Um, I've been thinking about this thing all day. That's been more than a day. And it kind of came from the t-shirt design and like the, our logo and stuff like that. And we, we talk about the climb up and Mm -hmm. part of that training is that climb up and trying to find that, that interesting, weird thing that's going to happen. It might not happen. Um, and finding people to train with and having those awesome days and having the shitty days. And I started really thinking about the comparison that we always make to base camps and climbing the mountain and Mount Everest in particular. Yeah. Right. Um, and how nowadays and with modernization and you know, the, it's a freaking train. It's a a train of people going to the summit of Everest. Now it's not even like it's attainable if you have, 50 grand to spend. Like right, you can, right. you can you got go, the money, you, you can do it. Yeah. yeah. And most likely percentages you're going to survive. Right. Right. Yeah. But you have a but, coach, you have somebody to lead you up there. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's, it's given, but yeah. for the people who just, who want to do it for the, they want to climb the mountain for the mountain. Right. Not, not just to say, Oh, I summited Mount Everest <laughs> with my team. Right. And my Sherpa. Yeah. This yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, totally. No matter what, you're not going to – there are .0001% or less people that could climb that mountain without the help of a Sherpa. Like those – Yeah, I those, agree with that. Those people are beyond superhuman. Right. Like what they are capable of doing is I, – I can't even like comprehend it. But in our – in our training and our, in our mentality and the way we, we compare our training and our lives and all this stuff to Everest and the climb and the, the summit. And we always say, enjoy the climb because the, once you get to the top, it's, you know, what is it? You're there. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, like we have this, we have our team and we have our team to back us up. But once we get on the platform, we're by ourselves. Correct. Right. And in that, like, once you get on the top of Everest, you're by yourself. You're by yourself. Nobody, nobody can keep you up there. And the longer that you're up there, you're dying the whole time. Right. Right. Every, every rep you make when you're at the top is just chipping away. Yeah. And you're more likely going to fall even yeah. harder. Yeah. Right. Um, and then on the flip side of that is once you get there, like, let's say, let's leave, let's, let's take Cornell for, for, for a, an example here, right? So he worked up, he won, he won masters nationals. Right. Okay. And he, he, he lost one year because he came in thinking he was all hot shit. Right. And, I remember him telling yeah, that story. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We've heard the story. Yep. And then he came back and he won. He had to get his mind right. Right. Okay. Building up to win for him, at least to win masters nationals is not, he didn't have to, make sacrifices necessarily. Right. I'm sure he did, but not, not in the same way as the guy's just fucking strong yes, and very good at what he does. Yes. So he had, then he <clears throat> turned around and he went and he, he won Pan Am's masters Pan Am's. Now he's looking at worlds. Mm-hmm. So now he's looking at, he has to make decisions. He's six months out and he's making decisions in his life. 
He's changing his diet. He's changing his schedule. He's changing this. He's changing that. He's building up. He's he's trying to stay healthy. He's making promises. He's you know he's taking time away from his kids. He's you know he's taking. It's going to cost him probably an additional five thousand dollars between having to go qualify and then actually going to Orlando for right, Worlds, world, right. you know, and then possibly taking the family and like all this other stuff. There's so much that goes into it. And if he wins, he's going to have this huge rush of endorphins and emotions and everything. And he's world masters champion of 40 and over. What? He's going to be a 109 or whatever. Yeah. One oh, yeah. So 109, 40 over yeah. or at less under 45, under 45 world champion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. with, with a chance at having some records. Right. Well, and he'll be on national. So he'll be on U.S. soil, so he could get some national records, break right. national records. Yeah, yeah. Um, how is that? How is he going to reacclimate to life? Right, right. That that climb down off that mountain is often more deadly than the climb up. I was just going to say that you you said that before we started recording is like the climb down is hard. Yeah. The re-engaging yourself into um not that that's not reality but real life yeah is the hardest part yeah like wh okay well what do i do now yeah what depression kicks in what goal right? where's my next goal yeah, what am i doing i was one world so should i still be a weightlifter well yeah yeah but how yeah you well, know what's you, the like, next thing do you go back and win it again <laughs> yeah, right. you know like kevin cornell like he's like oh, i won nationals five times right right they, yeah the, <clears throat> You know, second through fifth, it doesn't matter. Obviously, it doesn't matter. I still have to pay to go compete at nationals. Yeah. Like, or at the Arnold. Like, That's a good point. Wh what's the big deal? Mm -hmm. You know, he, he, I'm sure, he, you know, it's good on his resume for training and coaching and whatnot. But, right. like, he's like, what? am I going to go compete at Worlds? No. But for Cornell, like, okay, so as a senior lifter, if you win Worlds, what's next? Okay, the Olympics. Yeah. As a master's lifter... There's nothing. There's not, you know, and yeah. I, and it's it's pretty dark and, and jaded to to look at it that way. But I mean, shit, how do you how do you reintroduce yourself into a life of okay? Well, I guess I train for the next PR, <laughs> or do I train to attempt to keep the the ability to hit my maximums until I can't? Well, like, I, it's it's it's. It's something that we think about. I think it's something that should be talked about more often because, you know, I mean, we've all de dealt with depression. We've all dealt with anxiety and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah. it's really interesting to me to think of you get there and you have this team and you have your your training partners and, and your family behind you and you get to this this the pinnacle of your sport as an athlete, whether you're a master's or a senior or whatever, and you have that huge just that sense of accomplishment and sense of like just everything is validated. Right. Right. And then you go to like, okay, here's the way I look at it as weightlifters. Um, and pretty much all the weightlifters I know are like this for the most part. We, we engulf ourselves in the world, right? In mm -hmm. the world of weightlifting. Yep. Everything we do is, is has something in relation to weightlifting. Mm -hmm. Since we're using Cornell as a test or like test subject here, Look at what he does. Look at what he's created um, at his, his gym. It's called the People's Gym. He's yep. the People's Master. He goes, he wins worlds. In my mind, now, this is all very hypothetical, but in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, cool. 
Now let's get out there. Let's help somebody win worlds. Let's take my experience that I just paid, that I just paid the price with my body, my life, my money, mm-hmm. and let's, let's take somebody there. Yeah. Let me take somebody and coach them through it. Because I think once you hit that top, I mean, look at, so look at like any, any professional athlete. Once they hit that top and they retire, what are they doing? They're going to broadcasting or yeah. they're going to coaching. Yeah. They're taking what they learned and their experience and they're giving back. Yeah. And I think um, it's, it's a good outlook. It's a hard one to necessarily accept because you want to go out there and you want to compete. You're an athlete. Yeah. You're an athlete. You're competitive. You're like, get out there and I want to kill these PRs. But after you win worlds, like, what is there? What is there as a master? Right. Yeah. So as a master, let's take that and say, now I'm going to be, for lack of better terms, the sensei of weightlifting and I'm going to teach somebody take somebody under my wing and I'm going to take them on the road that I went to yeah and I think that idea of giving back is something that uh really intrigues me yeah as a person I I think it's the only like you said I think it's the only viable choice outside of like you know ended up looking like Russell Crowe Five years after Gladiator. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, yeah. putting on 60 pounds and, and looking like he's loving life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you just don't quit. You know, if someone like Cornell has such a passion for what he does. And he doesn't have to tell you that. No. You know, you see it in him. And him and I, you know, we don't talk a ton. You know, we're on the same team. And I, I listen to him and he listens to me, maybe. But at the same point, like, you can see he bleeds weightlifting. Yeah. So... He's a person that I could see just flourishing with that. But yeah. you're, I mean, you, you touch on such a good point of understanding the, the turning point from an athlete to then a coach or to mm-hmm. somebody else in the sport yep. into a different morph. And I think we've seen, I mean, we've seen John go through different iterations of that, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I know that, like, I've talked to him before and he's like, he wants to lift still. Oh, absolutely. And he does still lift, yeah. but he, his, his mindset is changing. Yeah. And well, and that, that was before he started, before he started the barbell club, like yeah. that was his, that was his enigma was like, I don't know what to do. Like right. that, how, how can I give a hundred percent of myself if, if I'm still wanting to, to win nationals Correct. again? Yeah. At 30, like back then it would have been, he would have been 33 years old. Yeah. You know, like how do I, how do I win nationals again and give my, my, um, give everything I have into my athletes. And he, uh, he eventually made the choice. Like he, he was kind of almost forced into it by his body. Right. You know, um, with a couple re irritated injuries and whatnot, but, Mm um, he, uh, he was able to just give 100% to his team and, and, and 100% of himself transferring into being a coach. Right. And it's taken him, you know, like, like we witnessed, it's taken him years now. It's, it's crazy to think years. It feels like that was just yesterday that he right. moved back to Prineville. Know, <laughs> like right? it's, it's totally, insane. Totally. But like, it's taken him time to go from being an athlete mm-hmm. coach mm-hmm. to being a coach and an athlete yeah. and you know, watching him, watching him go through the phases of trying to get his mind 
and his schedule and his family and his business and his coaching wrapped around coaching and yeah. only coaching and then being like, okay, I think I got enough. I think I can go back and I can take an hour out of my day, hour and a half out of my day yeah. and go and snatch and clean and jerk and yeah. squat yeah. or just squat or, you know, like he's trying to figure that out again. And luckily he has Tim down there and Tim is an awesome coach. Obviously right. he is, he's freaking straight to conditioning yeah. coach at that yeah. school. So he, he, uh, he's has a great opportunity and I hope like, I hope he stays healthy. I hope he takes, he's, you know, he's smart. He's going to take small jumps. He's going to like, he's mm -hmm. hurt himself enough over the years. Like he yeah. knows how to avoid injury. He does. Um, so I'm sure like, <clears throat> honestly, like if he stays at 89, which is he's so skinny, <laughs> you need to eat, bro. If you listen to this, yes, you do need to eat. Don't lie to me. I know me. you're having salads. <laughs> you ain't eating no 20 waffles. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, if I mean, if he stays at 89, he can come out and he can still snatch 130 and clean and jerk 150. Yeah, like if he hits a 300 total as an 89, and it like he's gonna podium, All right? He could win. I mean, like there's. If he has a good solid year of training, there's no doubt that he could win Masters Nationals. It, and um, I yeah. think I think we're touching on a really really um, complex idea, which is the mind of an athlete, mm -hmm. and how our, our brains and our uh, mentalities are when it comes to competing versus stepping back and letting somebody else compete. Dude, it's hard. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do, especially when you're competing at such a high level, right? Yeah, yeah, and well, and and still being physically capable. Not that, so. Here's here's the thing about John, and not just John, but so many high level athletes, right? They reach a point where they sh where they shouldn't go anymore, right? right. Yeah, and but their body is more than capable. Yeah. And then and then on top of that, guys like John who are rugged, right? West Kitts, mm -hmm. fucking rugged. Mm -hmm. Ian Wilson, fucking rugged. Right. John, um Spencer Mormon, these right. guys Donnie. You know, American lifters. I I'm not as well versed as I should be considering this is a weightlifting fucking podcast. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like these guys are freaking rugged. Yeah. And so even as their body starts to fail their mind, I mean, just like we talk about aging, like our mind is thinks our mind wants to be 20 years old, but yeah. our body's like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we ain't doing that. So these guys just have that mental drive yeah. and that willpower and that rugged strength that they can force themselves. Like I have no doubt that if John had it in his mind that he was going to snatch 140, mm -hmm. that he would snatch 140 today. Yeah, he might end up in the hospital the next day. <laughs> yeah, or bedridden for a week. But, you know, but, but that's exactly what you're talking about. It's that mind and that mentality. So having get out there and do having it. that animalistic thing mm -hmm. in the back of your head. That's that's the driving force of what got you to where you're at. Yeah. Like you have to learn how to shut that down and kill it, yeah. In order to devote all your knowledge into creating another one of you, yeah. You know, athlete. a good and a good example, and just like so, we're not just using weightlifting, but like 
I had a buddy that uh, played D1 football linebacker, played for the Ducks, um, got drafted with the Raiders for mm -hmm. a little bit. And, you know, long after, <laughs> long after all that, <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I reunite with him up here and we're hanging out and I'm like, dude, you should, you should come play on my flag football team. And he looks at me and he goes, no. And I'm like, well, why, why not? And he goes, man, I know one speed of football. <laughs> I know one speed. I will wreck people out there. And you don't want that. I no. don't want that. No. He goes, I don't want to get into that mentality again. Dude, I was, there's a clip that came up, Joe Rogan, right? He was yeah. talking about Mike Tyson. Oh, and he had him on the podcast. And he was talking about, you know, Mike, they were talking about, would Mike ever get back in the ring? And, and Mike's just like, you know, man, I've just given it up. I don't mm -hmm. want to go there because that Mike is not the Mike that I want to be. Yes. I never want to be that person again because once that quote. switch gets gets turned, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. Like, he's a murderer. Yeah. Like, the only and thing. And he, he says that. I'm a murderer yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. The, the, only thing, the only thing that's going through my mind is I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I will kill you. Yeah. And what, like a year later, he gets back on the podcast and he like dropped 30 pounds. He's getting ready for the Roy Jones fight. Yeah. And, and Joe was talking, he was like, you know why this new table is so wide in his new studio in Austin? It's because I was scared of Mike. Because that look <laughs> in his eye, dude, when he came back on the no show, joke. yeah, he was like a completely different person, still getting hot, still smoking pot. Yeah. Still doing shrooms and right. freaking licking the toad or whatever, like, <laughs> but just that that switch yeah. had been turned on again, and that lion was awake. It's a real thing. And he went from cool stoner, whatever dad, yeah. Mike Tyson, making freaking cartoons and shit, right. to I'm a fucking murderer again, and yep. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, it's. It, I don't know. Like, I, I sorry. No, I don't know how the they must. There must have been some un like unannounced still to this day agreement that he was not going to absolutely destroy Roy Jones Jr. Because I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm freaking sorry. Yeah, I know. Love you to death, dude. But... Man, we all saw those videos he like was that, putting out. That, like that, he fight, that fight, I watched that fight and I was just like, he's holding back. There's no way, like... Of course Roy, he was. Like, yeah. Oh my God. And he, I mean, he said it himself. He wasn't going in there to knock him out. Right. But, bro... I mean, you know, how do you do that at such a high level for so many years and then not go in there to knock somebody out? That's you yeah. can say that, but there ain't no way. Yeah. I, but I, but I just can't. like your friend said, he knows one speed. He knows one, one speed. Freaking speed. Yeah, he was like, I know one speed. And he was like dead serious looking me in the eye and I was like, All right, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go play my flag football team. <laughs> like <laughs> see you later, bro. Yep. You know, like Oh man. Um, but yeah, no, it's um the it's such a complex thing. Yeah. It's a good subject. Oh, it's 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 fun to talk about. It's fun to dream of the good old days and like think about what could have been and what is and and you know how we can influence the younger generation or freaking older generations who's just getting into what we're doing. I agree. Um, yeah. You know, a little little side note, not not weightlifting or sports related at all. I uh, I posted a little reel earlier about um, with it was just a video for me making a weld. Yeah, I saw that from like three, a good one. three years ago or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. And it made me think we'd talk about the amount of work we put in that's unseen and like the little cues and like when it's go time, like you're, we're not coaching or you're mm -hmm. not getting coached when you step on the platform or even Correct. before the platform. Like Correct. the coach, if the coach is telling you this and that and this and that, think about this and think about that, like yeah. he's not a good coach. Right. He or she is not a good coach. Right. right? And, yeah. and it made me think of when I saw that video, I was like, <sighs> 
how many years, how many hours, and how many welds did I make? Because when you're making a TIG weld or a stick weld, it doesn't matter. Any any open root weld where you can't, you're not doing anything on the back side of the material, right? Yeah. You're, you have two pieces of material and there's a gap between them and you're filling it with material and you can't see the backside, but you know it has to happen on the backside, on right. the inside of that pipe yeah. or the inside of the tank or whatever you're welding on. And it's like you put that those reps in and you put that training in. Dude, like if you want to take the, the, the comparison of like how much time we take away from our families to learn how to be a better better technician right. with with our lifts and how how to get the strength and all this stuff and it's like hours upon hours upon hours you know like i was going to school six hours three hours a night twice a week right and those nights i was spending two hours before class and then i was going in for three or four hours every saturday on top of being a welder at work and working eight to ten hours yep. i was going in and welding two more hours two days a week and then three or four hours on saturday every week for like a year. That's what you do. Right. And then after that year, I was still going in whenever I could to get my reps in. Yeah. And like that amount of time and that amount of sacrifice for my family, just so I know that when I'm putting that weld in and I'm completely blind to the backside of that weld. Yeah. I know for a fact, like I'm not thinking you about know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, like <laughs> I worked with this guy, we called him suck back. <laughs> so uh, so when you're welding the heat will cause the weld on the inside to suck back into itself and be concave and instead of convex right but you want that extra material it's stronger right yeah um so if you have suck back in your weld you fail <laughs> and this guy took a weld test so many freaking times in like three months that after the third time i was like you sir our suck back Steve. And he's actually, <laughs> he, he, if I find my old phone, he, that's what his name is in my phone. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, dude. And so like, you got to know. So we were, I was like, you got to know what's going in there. Yeah. You got to put it in and know it's going in. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but like, it's, it's so true. Like you just got like, it's second nature at that point. You yeah. put so many hours in, you put so many reps in that I know for a fact that I don't need to look in that pipe with a flashlight. Right. Like if I can yeah. Because a lot of times you're in the middle of a 150 foot run and you're dead center in the middle making connection weld and they're going to come back and shoot with the x-ray and you don't got time to think about it. No. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. And, and so same it, thing with the snatch when yeah. you go or a clean yeah. jerk when you or I mean fucking powerlifting same thing. Right? All about you want to get red lighted on a squat? Yeah. You hit depth. And, <laughs> and it's not like yeah. when you when you have, you know, 7 8 or, or I mean shit, even if you're just getting into it and starting out, but you're within, you know, 5% of your max best ever as you're coming up. Right. And you're in competition. You're not thinking about, Oh, Oh shit. Do I, am I going to hit depth? Am I going to hit depth? No, you're thinking, don't die. This is, a, <laughs> this is the most yeah, amount. You of are, you I, really are, you yeah. know, and it's even worse for a power lifter because like us, like it's, it's a little bit different mm -hmm. because they don't, we don't unrack something. Like, we know what's heavy as soon as we pull it off the ground. Yes, 100%. Right? Yeah. They have to take it off a rack. Yeah. And walk it out. It's and, always, and it's always my first cue, and, and right? And still, like, know, like, okay, they, I've, this heavy shit's on my back. Now I have to squat down and stand up. Yeah. And worry about, like, and, and yeah. I have to hit depth. So they have to, they have to be doing enough reps to know that 
no matter what, they're hitting depth. It's a complete mind fuck when you're doing that too, because like, I know I've had a heavy back squat on and I'm like, this thing is pushing me through the platform already. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm supposed to go down with it. Yeah. Like, and stand up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, you, you remind me of an analogy that I use, uh, for the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And, I'll, you know, after I, I stopped, um, playing football and that was my sport, I was like searching for something with the same intensity. The yeah. kitchen brought that. And so it's like, that was my sport. Okay. So instead of, so, so I looked for something that was intense, that was fast paced, that I could, you know, do, um, for my lifetime. Yeah. Cause it wasn't going to be football. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I found my sport in my career and it sounds like a lot from what you're talking about. You mm -hmm. put the reps in, you went to school, you, you know, you you did it with, with a family. Yeah. Um, and look at you now, you, you could probably do a lot of the stuff with your eyes closed. And not only that, you're teaching, you know, a group of people how to do it. Yeah. And that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. You know, that's something to be proud of. And it transfers all the way over to your weightlifting. Mm -hmm. It transfers over to everything you do. Like, think about it. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're a family man. You're, you're a welder. <clears throat> you're a weightlifter. You're, you're an outdoorsman. Yeah. 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 So it's like you've, you've taken the things um, that mean something to you and you treat them like your sport. Yeah. It's that mind of an athlete. Yeah. It's absolutely astonishing. It's crazy how it works. It, it, it is. And like, I, I'm lucky enough to have the family that I have, that my, my, my dad and my brothers and my mom mm -hmm. and the families that we grew up around because it was, I mean, small, I mean, shit, you know, small yep. town. Yep. Football's number one. Yep. Baseball's number two. Yep. Wrestling's number three. Like they're oh, yeah. like, that's it. Yeah. And on top of that, like we had horses and stuff and we did that too. But like, I was like, football was life. Yeah. I mean, my, I my parents still go to the high school football games. Yeah. Like that's, I, I miss doing that. I've actually, I brought it up going to, to go to Tiger football games and Kaylee, she's like, that's weird. I'm like, why is it weird? It's high school football. Dude, I, I did the she, same thing. She, she's, 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 she's like, well, you don't have none of your, like, I'm not a cheerleader and Taylor's not playing football. Yeah. So why would you go? I'm like, cause it's high school football. Cause it's, it's fun. fun to watch. Yeah. Right? I want to go get a hot dog and, yeah, and exactly. watch the game. Like, exactly. And I think it'd be like, so we're going to go next year, but nice Delaney, like I want Delaney to see it. Like that's yeah. a cool environment. Like I grew up in that shit. Like yeah. it was so much fun to just go and freeze your ass off Yeah. and, and watch football. It's yeah. Freaking football. It's, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it speaks to, you know, who you are and how your mind works, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. you don't just give up on it because it's hard. No, no. Nope. Make it work. All right, man. Well, we're coming up on time. So, yeah. uh, episodes coming up, interviews for you on the Max Effort Kitchen. Yeah, I got, uh, a, I got a, a farmer this weekend that he's a dairy farmer. That's gonna be a fun one. And then I got a pretty one a big one that I'm excited about. I'm mm -hmm. not going to, I'm not going to say it out loud because I don't want to jinx myself, <laughs> but, um, well, this person has committed and I am, I am so excited about it. That's freaking um, awesome, dude. And date night, we're just, uh, we're rocking, rocking and rolling. I think we got another one coming up Sunday. So damn, yeah, you guys are cranking them out. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. It's fun. Um, working on, uh, graphics for a T t-shirt sweatshirts are come out probably in the next Gonna shoot for release date of early July. Yeah, depends on on uh, how June goes. But uh, yeah, we're gonna have a pre-sale hopefully first of July for some be badass cool. T-shirts. That'd be cool. Um, check us out, PFRS Podcast, Doc Fifty One Productions on Instagram. 
Max Effort Kitchen, Date Night Podcast. Yep. Look out. Thanks, guys. Adios. Bye.